0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing today?
0: Good. Doing good, Bruce. So we're heading into the second season for the Oilers, the off season when all the key moves that will make or break the Edmonton Oilers in this year and in years to come, depending on length and term of contracts handed out, are going to be dealt out. And both you and I are kind of going through a process of looking at Ken Holland's record again, you know, what he's done, which is what I'm more focused on and what he might do, which is what you're kind of focused on right now. So in in terms of what has happened, because that get, kind of gives a picture of what might, what you might expect going forward. I've been looking at the draft record of Tyler Wright and Bob Green who are the two people who are in charge of the Oilers amateur draft? Bruce, mm-hmm. entry draft. It's been called in the last twenty right. years as it's been, as it's been known for
1: it's called, forever. Just called the draft. No,
0: just the draft, eh?
1: NHL draft.
0: So um, it's a when you look at uh, people scouts' records, it's, it's one of the hardest things to judge because you really don't know, like mm. even um, six. Six years, like f- just for instance, here's an example with Tyler Wright. So in 2013, with the 14th overall pick in the draft, they drafted Alexander Wenberg when he was in Columbus. And and Wenberg um, looked like he was just a brilliant pick for a few years in Columbus, and he earned this major contract. Yep. And then he his, he just tanked. He looked like he wasn't an NHL player for two or three years. Just horrible. This year he gets traded to Florida and he has a bounce back season. He gets seventeen goals in uh, Mm -hmm. fifty something games, fifty two games I think it was, and again he looks like oh well second line forward maybe in the NHL and so even someone drafted twenty thirteen in in evaluating that pick it's it it suddenly seems different than it it, it seemed a year ago. So this is a fraught process and it's fraught in another way. Tyler Wright was the head of Columbus drafting for two years. And then in Detroit for, I think it's, uh, five or six years, six years, eh? six years. And then, but, and then, and Bob Green was with the Oilers and he's been, um, a scout for a couple of years. Then he was in charge of things for about three or four years. And then, uh, last year he's the chief scout but he's not the title rights over him. So you don't know who to give credit to. There's all of these different scouts. Yep. There's the opinion of the gym. Sometimes it's rumored. There's the opinion of the owner and all of mm-hmm. these things, all of these things, <laughs> that's a subtweet. All of these things, <laughs> all of these things go into who gets picked. So to mm-hmm. put it on one person is, yeah. it's a little bit iffy, isn't it? But all of that said, when you're the person in charge, the, when you're the director of player personnel or the chief scout, the, the buck really does stop with you, and you're and you're held responsible for what happens, and that's that's how it goes. So we're going to be giving credit or blame um, with all of that in mind when we look at the draft record right. of Tyler Wright and Bob Green. Um, since Wright is the man in charge, Bruce.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's start with him.
2: Sure.
0: When you look at his uh, draft, let's just we'll we'll start with his two drafts in Columbus, his first two years in Columbus, Bruce.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. And and uh, it's it was the infamous for Edmonton owners fans 2012 draft was his first draft right. at the helm. Columbus had the second pick, and they drafted a player by the name of Ryan Murray, who. Mm-hmm who will ring a bell with Oilers fans because that same year, Mark Spector's done reporting on this, I believe, the consensus that the Oilers scouts was to take Ryan Murray first overall. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. The Oilers drafted uh, Neil Yakupov instead. Right. And uh, so that Columbus with the second pick, they decided to take Ryan Murray. And in doing so, Bruce, that year in the draft, there were a number of really strong defensemen that they could have taken at the top end of the draft. There was Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm, Matt Dumba, Jacob Truba, Griffin Reinhardt, Derek Pouliot, and Slater Cuckoo. They were all, these players were all drafted in the top 10 this year.
1: Eight defensemen in the top 10, I remember it well.
0: And Columbus took Ryan Murray, who obviously was highly esteemed at Edmonton. I think a lot of teams, I think it's fair to say, in the second position,
2: mm-hmm. a
0: lot of teams would have taken Ryan Murray that year. There would have been the odd team who probably would have taken Morgan Riley, maybe. Or maybe some would have taken Happis Lindholm. You'd you, you never know, right? right? Some of them might have had other players rated ahead of Ryan Murray. But he was, I think, the consensus top defenseman in that draft.
1: There were some scouts in Edmonton, apparently, that had Griffin Reinhardt on top of their list. And as you know, they subsequently did go out and get the guy. Uh, but um, I think Ryan Murray would have been the I don't know if cons- I mean he wouldn't have been unanimous, but he would have been the consensus among them. I'm sure if you went back and looked at the uh, uh, at the rankings before the draft, you'd see Murray right up there. And I mean, he's played three hundred and ninety five games, Ryan Murray. And all I can tell you is that if he hadn't had a bunch of injury problems, he'd be way over 500 by now, and he'd probably have you know a lot better results. He you know events subsequent to the draft really impacted that pick, so it's, it's hard to say. Well, they blew that pick because they didn't foresee him getting hurt a bunch of times, and that's kind of hard to do.
0: He was injured in his draft year, but um, you that's a fair comment, Bruce. The fact is he's only had two healthy seasons since um there's only one season when he played all the games
2: mm-hmm. and
0: he's missed significant parts of five seasons within with with injuries
2: mm-hmm.
0: so that's a really he's really been hammered hard by injuries when he has played he's averaged he's he's not been a power play guy he's never worked out as a power play guy he seems to be kind of a second pairing defenseman uh you know playing 19 uh 18 19 20 minutes a game kind of you know Adam Larson minutes. Uh, I think he's used on the penalty kill and at even strength. Kind of. I don't think he's third pairing. He he's a cut above that at least on on Columbus. So I think he's a decent defensive kind of defensive puck moving left shot D man um, when he's not when he's healthy. And but that's very rare for him to be healthy. There was a couple. You know, for a draft to work out, Bruce. What 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 I think kind of the standard is when you have a high pick, you, you really it's not fair necessarily because we, we we just went through what happened with Ryan Murray. When you've got a pick in the top ten, especially in the top five, you've got to hit on it, and it's a huge blow to the franchise if that right. does not happen. So I'm gonna, you know, it's it's hard to pick on right for that. That was his that in, in all of these years that was the highest pick he had to work with, and mm-hmm. it didn't work out. But there's extenuating circumstances outside of the first round. I think for Um, I think for a draft to work out, you need one of these top 12 players. So these are the top seven forwards on your team, the top two lines, third line center, top four D and your goalie. Every single year in a draft, I think you have to get one of, if you're going to be a successful amateur scout Mm -hmm. running the whole department and you have these six, seven picks or whatever you have that year, you need to get one player who can fill one of those roles on your team. And by that standard, the 2012 draft paid off. They got Josh Anderson in the fourth round, and although he's had a, he's been up and down with injuries throughout his career as well.
1: Also, yeah.
0: He he, when he's healthy, he's definitely a top six forward, a power forward. They also got Eunice Corposalo. who, yep. when you look at his record as a goalie, it's kind of up and down. I'm not I'm not sold on him as a as an NHL goalie, but he is a backup in the NHL. So I don't think he, he meets that standard, but I think that this draft, when you just go look at his record, Bruce, you'll see his, his, uh, save percentage is up and down. Right. Um, Josh Anderson though, I think puts that draft along with Ryan Murray, who who I think was a, a solid choice in the end and has become a, if he, if he got healthy for the next five years, all of a sudden, if he could figure out a way to get healthy, I don't know if he's got like, how debilitating his, his injury history is cumul- cumulatively on his career right now. But you could see Ryan Murray helping a team win the Stanley Cup. I could still see that. Like if the Oilers sign him this summer, for instance,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, as a, as a stopgap until Philip Broberry's ready, um, that that might not be a terrible move. So I think uh, in this draft, I'm going to give him a pass mark on that first draft.
1: Okay. What do you see yeah, in the second? Three Three NHL players there, I mean. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty good, and, and he you know he just had the normal picks in the you know one one rounds one through seven, mind you, at the very top of all those rounds. But getting three NHL players is a is a good draft.
0: Let's move on to his 2013 draft. What, what do you mm-hmm. see there? How do you think he did?
1: Uh, well, two two names really jump out. There's uh, there's actually the, the top five picks all at least uh, got a look in the NHL. But Alexander Wenberg. Uh, 14 overall, uh, uh, 471 games in the NHL, uh, really coming along as a, as a two-way center. They signed him to a big deal for a number of years, and then his production just fell off the cliff. And uh, only after they moved on from him and, and sent him to Florida did he bounce back with a with a good year. And he too, I think, is a, is a guy the Oilers uh, should at least be... Uh, uh, Knocking on his door and having a conversation when free agency season opens. Because, boy, that would be an excellent 3C and a guy who could maybe even move up to play 2C uh, at such time as the orders decide to put their big guys together. Like, they're going to need that kind of player somewhere in the lineup.
0: Is he still Uh, a center? uh, Yeah. Check.
1: As far as I know, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Like, he did have a pretty good year. You don't want to overpay on a player like that. But um, if you can get him on a bargain deal. I think, um, I agree the, the player that stands out for me, Bruce, in that draft is the, oh. I think in the, um, what is it in the fourth round? Yeah. Uh, and on the third round, 89th overall late in the third round, they took Oliver Bjorkstrand. Mm-hmm. Oliver Bjorkstrand has become a first line, um, winger in the NHL. His scoring last year, um, out of 432 regular NHL forwards, like played over 200 minutes this year. He ranks, I think, fiftieth, or what was it exactly? I can give the exact number in a second. Anyway, he's like um, uh, uh, 47, 47th out of four hundred and thirty-two forwards. So, you know, he's he's become a really top attacking winger, the top attacking winger on the the Blue Jackets. So, that's two drafts in a row. It's interesting, Bruce, when you look at scouts. The funny thing is, they don't they don't get better with age it seems to me scouts you often have their best years as a scout their first second third years drafting Mm -hmm. they come on and i think it's just a testament to the hard work it takes to do this scouting it's a young man's game it's it's for super hungry ambitious people and they seem to i think there's a pattern where they seem to do really well early on and uh, can make a reputation and then then they can tend to fade a little bit
1: like mathematicians right <laughs> yeah, if you haven't done your best work by 25, you're probably not going to do it.
0: And rock stars.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, Bjorkstrand. I mean, I watched him play quite a bit with uh, Portland Winterhawks. Always liked him. Was hoping Oilers would draft him that year. Of course, they didn't. And he has. It uh, took a while for him to break in, but the last four years, he's been a regular, and he's been. Regularly around forty points, and this year he had a career high forty-four points in the short season. So, pretty good. Yeah.
0: So I, I I would say like this is a, a hit draft.
2: Mm-hmm. They yep. did
0: have two first picks on Kirby Reichel and Marco Dano, which have not worked out, right. and a second pick on Dylan Hetherington. Dylan Hetherington, a defenseman, that didn't work out. But you hit mm-hmm. on you get a you get a couple forwards like this, especially if Wenberg, I guess it would be Wenberry, goes on to uh, have a good NHL career. Uh, uh, the controversial pronunciation of Swedish hockey names, uh, which mm, we're trying
1: to getting feedback on that. Eh? <laughs>
0: it's, it's one of the funniest things people have bent over backwards, not a bent over backwards, but I think like with Russian hockey names, we, we now try to get them right. We now try to say them like, you know, it's not Karlamov. We don't, we t- we call them Harlamov, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone knows now how to say Valerie Harlamov's name mm-hmm. and only, and, and uh, many Russian players, but with the Swedish players, um, you know, the, in Sweden, <laughs> that Berg is, you know, Wenberg, Broberg. It's it's Wenberry, Broberry. From listening, or listening to uh, Swedish hockey games? That's how all the announcers pronounce all these players. It's not Philip Bergland, It's Philip berryland So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, it's 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 a minor point, but we're just trying to pronounce the names like they're pronounced in uh, in, in those countries. Um, 2014 draft He moves on to Detroit, Bruce He takes over in Detroit And in that first year He's got the 15th overall pick in the 2014 draft And he takes Dylan Larkin after that, he, he there's really no hits. In the fourth round, he takes a player called Christopher N, who's had a cup of coffee or two in the NHL, but really hasn't made it.
1: 114 and games. Look, I'm surprised. It's like
0: doesn't look like he's gonna be an NHL player at this point, and no one else in that that draft year. So he had one really solid pick, though. He had mm-hmm. the 15th pick. He did not waste that pick. Although Dylan Larson had his probably worst year as a professional. This past season, he was he was in, playing through injuries and he was on a really, really bad team. And his linemate, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, got knocked out after a month
1: of play and he just had a rancid year.
0: But I think Dylan Arkin, you, I would consider that to be a really solid pick at 15th overall.
1: Not quite in the Mike Bossy, Joe Sakic class of number 15 overall picks, but he's not in the Alex Plant uh, Robert Nilsson, Ryan O'Mara class of number fifteen overall picks either. He's uh, he's a nice player, Dylan Larkin. Was Matthew
0: Barzell taken fifteenth overall as well?
1: Ah, uh, sixteen. Sixteenth. Yeah.
0: Twenty-fifteenth entry draft, and this is so after his fairly strong start, it's going to mm-hmm. get it. Just it, it it. Let's put it this way: his draft record goes downhill considerably in Detroit. To maybe bouncing back in his final year there. This is this is where this is headed. He drafts uh, he, with the first pick, 19th overall in 2015 draft. <clears throat> he takes Evgeny Svechnikov, who was rumored to be highest high on the Oilers board if they had drafted, hadn't traded that pick, uh, mm-hmm. which for, for Griffin Reinhardt. Um, Svechnikov was and uh, Eriksson Eck, Joel, right. Eriks, Eck, I think, were the two players rumored to be high on the owner's board. Svechnikov's career has also been sidelined. He missed a full season because of injury. He finally got into Detroit, though, this year, Bruce. And his points per 60 this year uh, was really strong. It was 1.86 mm-hmm. per 60, I think, which is in the top 200 in the NHL for forwards. Right. Uh, he's a big guy. Um, he's finally healthy again. He didn't play a lot at the NHL level this year, but when he did play, he he put up points at a decent rate. So uh, that pick, which looked like it was not working out, mainly because of injury, I'm going to suggest looks like it may rebound. So that that's I'd say there's a question mark. No one else in that draft for Detroit worked out at all, but there's a question mark with the top player, and if and if he actually panned out and and became somehow a top six winger in Detroit, which is not beyond the which is a possibility still, that you could give him a pass for that draft as well, but right now he doesn't get it.
1: Right. And, of course, when you say top six in Detroit, you're not necessarily saying a top six (laughs) NHL winger, you know.
0: That is a good point, Bruce. That is a
1: good point. I've been living in Edmonton too long to fall for that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The 2016th entry draft, what do you see there Mm. for? Well,
1: Dennis couple of players you know Dennis Shlowski and Philip Ronick and Ronick in the uh, second round 53 overall he's he's come out, come along pretty nicely uh, he's had uh, three seasons in a row you know he's a uh, uh he's a defenseman 23 31 26 points uh his plus- minus record is eye-poppingly bad but again he's in Detroit and uh, there's no way to be a regular player and he's played over 23 minutes a game in each of the last two years as a young developing defenseman so that draft pick is is you'd have to call it a win from what we know to this point i mean he's still just 23 years old and then the other fellow uh, dennis shalosky uh he's been on the cusp of detroit for uh for a while and they, they say nice things about him now this year he only played 16 games so uh, uh he's uh uh, again, a defenseman, so they got you know two, two, two guys that they gave a good hard look to in uh, uh, on the blue line and Hronic for sure and Shalowski. Uh, I'm not so up to speed on Detroit that maybe he had an injury issue this year or whatever, but uh,
0: he's he still working his way in
1: 22 years old, so yeah,
0: yeah, it's you know, it's kind of hard to tell because, like, so we look at a player like let's say Ethan Barrett, Caleb Jones, and Mm-hmm. um players are drafted actually a year previous to that right. um you know we we might actually lots of people in Edmonton for instance to have really positive feelings about Caleb Jones and about Ethan Bear right. people in other cities you know well Bear has made it as an NHLer but people might look at a player like Caleb Jones from another NHL city and say mm-hmm. oh well why are you excited like was it like there's mm-hmm. nothing to be excited about there we see a player who could uh, you know I think it's fair to say could be a top 4 NHL demon still could be out of the league though uh, within two years. Um, so it's 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 hard to tell and and Chilowski could be their Caleb Jones, right? Like he right. could be he did play in the AHL this year, I note, but he had good mm-hmm. points when he played there. Yeah. And another guy is Giovanni Smith, who's kind of a big grinding physical winger who finally got his break in the NHL this year and um he did okay. I it, you know, it looks like on a terrible team. So it's it's hard to tell. Um you know i i it's this isn't exactly uh in terms of making up your mind on tyler right but this draft again could turn out okay and F- philip horonic is a, is a, looks like a solid power player and puck mover at mm-hmm. the nhl level he's That's obviously in over his head in detroit in a top pairing role he should mm-hmm. be you know he he should probably be a second pairing d man uh, on some team and and he would be probably doing quite well in that role but it, they're asking it looks like they're asking too much of him and he's, he's cast as the role, as the number one D-man on the team. So hopefully the owners can pick him up in two a couple of years, just like Montreal picked up Jeff Petrie and uh, and get a really good player out of that one. Bruce, the the next two drafts are where the alarm bells start to go off a little mm-hmm. bit with Tyler Wright, mainly because he had two high picks uh-huh. and he used them on forwards. He had the ninth overall pick in 2017. And the sixth overall pick in 2018, and he used them on a gigantic forward out of the Western League, 6'6", 230, Michael Rasmussen. And um, the next year, he used the sixth overall pick on a high-flying, attacking forward, uh, I think from Czechoslovakia, from the excuse me, from Czechia, uh, who, who, Philip Zadina, mm-hmm. who is off, and the, both of them, Bruce, are, are down arrows since then. They are not off to auspicious pro debuts. Rasmussen, I think, was rushed, rushed to the NHL. Not right after he was drafted, but in the year after that, as a 19-year-old, he made his introduction yeah. into the NHL. And he's been in the HL, mm-hmm. NHL cuffs player, not really having success. Zadina, um, when you look at his overall boxcar numbers this year, they don't look they don't look terrible but when you look at his points per 60 bruce he was one of the lowest scoring attacking forwards in the nhl this year mm-hmm. it was like 1.06 i think per 60 Ooh. so they they gave him every opportunity to succeed at the nhl level this year mm-hmm. and uh yeah six 1.09 six 1.09 per 60 which is like Kyle Turris level scoring 361 out of 432 regular nhl forwards so for a guy with offensive talent he's not making his mark yet he's struggling and that doesn't mean he won't become a good player and the same with michael rasmussen like these big guys can suddenly turn it around to become good players but you know forwards you like them to develop pretty quick if i'm completely honest you like to see some real up marks early on and that usually is a, an indication of a player who's going to be a top six forward in the NHL. There's exceptions to that, but usually not. And I, it's not going well so far for, for either of these players and Detroit. And and these were crucial picks to hit on. You need to hit on these picks. And um, it's pretty iffy if that's going to happen. Joe Valino was taken in the second round in the 2018 draft, and there was a lot of excitement about it. Both with Zadina and Valino, Mm-hmm. Um, I recall, like people who put a lot of weight in point scoring at the junior level, which is a good thing to put weight on. <laughs> definitely, mm-hmm. they were extremely excited by both the Z- Zadina and the Valino picks. Joe Valino is ha- he had a decent year with Malmo in the Swedish Hockey League this year, mm-hmm. point every second game, but maybe not quite what um, a lot of people were expecting from Valino. But um, in as a pro player, like you know maybe. Hoping for a little bit more out of him as well. The one pick, though, that might be a huge hit for Detroit in that 2018 draft is uh, forward a little forward out of Sweden, Jonathan
1: uh
0: Bergren. He had 45 Bergrin. Bergrin, 45 <laughs> points in 49 games for Shaleftia, Bruce. Uh we saw him play with Philip Broberry. Mm-hmm. And he was fa- he's a fast attacking player. He had a breakout season. And that's someone they should be excited about. So let's say Zadina doesn't make it as a top six mm-hmm. forward but but uh, Berggren does right. suddenly that draft looks okay, but right now they had a lot of picks in these drafts.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, I'll say Detroit in in uh they had uh 32 picks in three years, Detroit. these were the these this was after um. Uh, Mike Illich died, and Detroit went from being in the playoffs 25 years in a row to flicking the switch and suddenly going for the future, and Ken Holland went from a guy who traded picks for rentals at the deadline to a guy who traded rentals for picks, just like that, to basically overnight after Illich passed away. And so Detroit kept getting, you know, in, the, in this draft uh, 2018, they had the two firsts. With Zadino and Vellino, two seconds, three thirds. I mean, that's a lot of high picks. You better get some players out of that. And so far, I mean, this past season, Zidina, uh Vellino, and uh, Rasmussen combined, they played close to 100 games and they, they're all forwards and they scored a combined 10 goals. So, not exactly moving the needle.
0: <laughs> good summation, Bruce. Now, if Bergrin does work out, maybe. But
1: sh- you got to do...
0: I just think these two drafts aren't looking... They're not trending well for Detroit at this point. Put mm-hmm. it that way, right. at all. And these were Tyler Wright's firmly in control. Okay, here's the good news, Oilers fans. In his final season, and this is complicated because Steve Iserman comes over from right. Tampa Bay. And I'm just guessing, tucked in his pocket, was Tampa Bay's draft list. And so, how much of this was... Um, Tampa's scouts at work and how much of this was Detroit scouts at work Tyler Wright's work mm-hmm. but they there's lots of up arrows from the 2019 draft the Tyler Wright's final draft in Detroit uh, including the top pick Moritz Cedar and um, a German player who played in Sweden this year and had a really good strong season in the Swedish Hockey League Bruce he will say he he crushed it over there and there's a couple other defensemen taken in the second round Antti Tuomistu who played with Carter Savoy and Oilers pick in Denver and Albert Johansson who played in Sweden as well in the Swedish Hockey League. Albert Johansson had a really good year as well. And so did Tuomistu it looks like. So, um, and then topping that all off in the sixth round, Bruce, they take another, you know, they go the Michael Rasmussen route. They take another gigantic monster forward. This time six, eight, 240 pound. Elmer Soderblom. Oh yeah, from Frölunda in Sweden. Now he made he made Fralinde this year, and he was playing. He played about half the games in the pro for Frölunda as a as a nineteen year old, but he absolutely crushed it in the World Junior tournament. I mean, I, oh. if you watch Sweden, the, the, you, you thought, who's yeah. that guy? This yeah. gigantic forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who had some who has some skill and can make plays, mm. and you just think, wow.
1: I was watching that guy, and I was going, I remember that guy, because he played here in the Hlinka Gretzky Under-18 uh, tournament in 2018. And I was very impressed with, uh, with uh, Soderblom, and I thought he'd be a good candidate for the Oilers, and you'd think that the Oilers might have a few scouts in the stands at a tournament in, in uh, Roger's place. Uh, but he went all the way down to the sixth round, 159th overall absolute steel at that spot, because uh, he's not like a speedster, but he is absolutely gigantic, as you say, and he's very smart. He's, uh, he, he really plays his position well, and as I recall, he's pretty darn good in the face-off circle. I mean, he's got a lot of power, and, and you know, it's sort of a decent uh, uh, coordinated guy, just not fast, but, I mean, probably faster than he looks because he's so damn big that he doesn't need to take as many strides to cover the ice. And he sure seemed to be in the right place a lot, and uh, sometimes that place was down in the in the low <laughs> slot, creating disturbances so that the skilled guys around him, uh, and uh, Sweden had a few of those guys as well, uh, that were uh, um, that were able to do damage, uh, in part because of uh, uh, the work Soderblom was doing away from the puck.
0: So, again, we don't really know, is, is this a Tyler Wright pick or is this a Steve Eisenman secret draft list right. from Tampa Bay pick? But, you know, Wright's in charge of that draft still, so he's mm-hmm. he's going to get some credit. And I think mm-hmm. that draft, you know, good work, Tyler Wright, on that draft. So, overall, we see a fairly strong start, mm-hmm. pretty iffy middle section, pretty mm-hmm. iffy, and then this final draft, which
1: which can give some hope. You've if seen- Tyler Alexander Wenberg of the scouting world. (laughs) Yeah, so maybe not. What happens next is the question.
0: If he was just in charge of the Oilers' draft, I'd be a little bit worried, you know, honestly, because again, scouts do their best work generally speaking early on. And, um, but he's not. He's not alone. He's Bob Green is still the chief scout of the Edmonton Oilers. Listed on uh, that's what his job title is. And we look at Bob Green's overall, overall record, Bruce. He took over. He's been a scout on the Oilers. He's been involved in Oilers drafts since the 2014 draft when they took Leon Drysaddle uh, and William Loggison. They didn't have a lot of other picks. So there was a couple, you know, of course, they were the third pick overall with Draisaitl, but they didn't miss. Like, they hit on it. They didn't take. Sam Bennett had a pretty good year in the end. Uh, maybe he's going to turn out to be a better player than he he was in Calgary. But they didn't miss on the dry settle pick. They they, they had a home, Grand Slam home run pick. And Bob Green um, was a Western-based scout at mm-hmm. that time. So I'm going to suggest he probably had a hand in that. William Logginson was another pick. Now, we don't know if Bob Green had a hand in it. The next year, just before the draft, Stu McGregor's gone. And Bob Green's in charge of that draft. So we don't know again... Is this Stu McGregor's list? Is this Bob Green's list? But what we do know from the 2015 draft is that in the in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round they draft Caleb Jones, Ethan Barron, John Marino, which is in terms of getting use making good use of low round picks. Mm-hmm. These these are all of their type. These are either home runs or grand slam home runs because you're not expecting players at this level to make it as as NHL players, and all of them have a really good shot at becoming – I'm going to say Marino and Bear have good shot and Jones all have a shot at being top four demon in the oh, NHL yeah. still. Marino is that already. It's already there. Bear has been one in Edmonton and Jones has that chance. So,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and it would be nice to see what uh, that scouting staff might have done had they retained the numbers 16, 33, 57, 79, and 86 picks, all of which got traded away uh for some for good they got cam talbot out of all that but uh uh they didn't that's pretty get, good get, they didn't get near enough for uh the 16 and 33 of course and and uh that's a trade that continues to hurt edmonton to this day and some people blame bob green by the way for that trade to, to get griffin yeah. bernhardt because the the narrative is that uh Peter Shirelli asked Green for his recommendation, and Green gave it based on what he'd seen in Edmonton. And what we didn't know was that, and uh, what nobody in the Oilers seemed to know, which was uh, was uh, pretty damning of their overall scouting and, and minor pro scouting, was that uh, in, was it Bridgeport? Uh, they had Islanders had uh, Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulock, Scott Mayfield, all of whom are regular defensemen now on New York Islanders. And the Orders went and gave in the two high picks for uh, Griffin Reinhardt. So if you want to pin that on Bob Green, and that's a major black mark on his record, uh, I, 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 I I think I, it I seems like deep, a fair pin, comment I to that me, on Bruce. the GM. He made the trade. Uh, and he did yeah. ask for the, you know, he did ask for the scouts' uh, uh, advice, but, and and Green was not an American Hockey League scout. And apparently, I'm not sure that they had one from this on to that, because it sure gets, worked so out well a, for the Islanders.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of a slash pro scouting mistake. Like, <laughs> the pro scouting, like whoever was ta- handling the NA Oilers with yeah. the AHL there, I just hope he's not still with the with the team, because you just can't, you can't yeah. make it's it's such an unforgiving profession in a lot of ways, right? You can't if you're going to succeed at this, you can't mm-hmm. really you got to hit, you can't miss. So it's not right. like oh well, we can give you a pass on this and this and this and it's okay. It's not okay. This is the highest level of hockey. You only have so many chances. Right. They're limited, and mm-hmm. if you don't hit on them, it might sound harsh. Right. But you've failed. You, you've got to hit on most of them. Especially these top ones, and when you screw up, it's it's significant. So it's a it's a tough standard to meet. But this mm-hmm. this is the NHL. It's not.
1: Yeah. Well, no so one's gonna next- hit on 100%. But, you don't uh, to- you do expect a a, a reasonable batting average, yeah. and and as you say with the high picks, you expect a you know, or the return that you get for the high picks if you trade them out, you gotta yeah. a, got to hit on that. Got to.
0: And This this segues to the next draft, 2016, which was looking kind of iffy a year ago. Mm-hmm. But it's starting to seem a little different here. I mean, yeah. a year ago, everyone would have said, oh, well, Columbus, they're laughing because they took Pierre-Luc Dubois over Yassipouli Arvi. Well, Yassipouli Arvi just had a, a year as good, if not better, than Pierre-Luc Dubois all of a sudden. So maybe this is going to look differently. If Yassipouli Arvi turns out to the players that we're starting to rethink, like a top six forward, to a strong two-way top six forward in the NHL, then the 2016 draft for the Oilers is, is a success. If he doesn't, then it's not. Tyler Benson is still kind of in that he might make it, he might not category. He's had mm-hmm. He just had a really good season in the
1: AHL though. Well, he did.
0: And it looks like he's probably going to, you know, the, the word, the rumblings, it looks like he's going to get a chance to make the Oilers this year. He deserves one. He's going to be in tough, though. There's going to be other players in that Dominic Cahoon category of winger, I think available that the Oilers, he's going to have, Tyler Hittbenchen is going to have to beat out one of those players. You know, he didn't beat out Cahoon this year. He really didn't get that chance because of COVID, I think. And, um, but he's going to get a shot. And the other pick that that looked like a failure for a long time was Marcus Niemalainen, mm-hmm. who is kind of going sideways ever since, since he got picked. But then what, in Bakersfield this year, um, he looked good as a shut kind of a shutdown until he got hurt until, uh, as a shutdown, gigantic shutdown defenseman at the AHL level. So. Right.
1: And Philip Berryland also out of that list. Yeah. Uh, that's coming over had work visa issues this year, you know, he's a, a right shot, big right shot defenseman, same scale as Adam Larson, I think six, three, two Oh nine. Uh, and he is, um, uh, you know, it's a long time coming five years later that he's just finally coming over the pond. But guess what? Five years later, he's still only 24 years old. And so, you know, Swedish defenseman, you know, I'm prepared to wait a year or two, see how he does down there in Bakersfield before I write him off.
0: Yeah, he's going to have a full season in, in Bakersfield. This year sure. was kind of a write off for him. He got hurt. Right. And then when he tried to come to Bakersfield, he couldn't get a visa, apparently. So mm-hmm. it, that was tough. So that draft, Bruce, is kind of a still a question mark around it, but it's looking yep. better than it did a year ago uh, for, from the Oilers' perspective. I can mm-hmm. tell you that because of Pierre RV. Twenty seventeen draft. What do you make of that, Bruce, for the Oilers?
1: Well, they took a, they took a major gamble drafting uh, Tiny Kyler Yamamoto in the first round, twenty second overall. Uh, I believe uh, he is the lightest at one hundred and fifty three pounds. First round pick in history, I think I, I heard that uh, correctly. Well, well, um, just a little guy, round. but but a fearsome uh, competitor, and it took him a, a couple of kicks at the can. But uh, he got uh, two tryouts in Edmonton. He got sent back to Seattle for his last year. He got sent back to uh, um, he got sent down to Bakersfield. His first year, it's uh, his next year, and then finally in his draft plus three year, they actually started him in Bakersfield instead of Edmonton and called him up. And since then, he's been a regular. But uh, he had a much better season, half season last year than he had this year. He took a step back. He played twice as many games, but scored fewer goals and points in uh, the season just passed than he did the year before. And, and uh, he... He brings a lot of game, David. I like him as a player, but whether he's a, you know, a, a second line or third line right winger, I think that remains to be determined. I, I see him as, you know, he's a, uh, he, he you know, he's a gamer. He's a good defensive player. He's got a a, a a good, you know, he's got penalty killing type skills. He's, you know, he's he's got good awareness on the ice. He gets in the lanes and he certainly gets in the battle. So I've got all day for Kari Yamamoto. Uh, but uh, I sure like to see him score more than one goal in 29 games, the way he ended the season. So he really fell into a, it almost seemed like a little bit of a crisis of confidence when he got a scoring chance.
0: Uh, yeah, he's, he's got to work on his shot. We've talked about yeah. this before. The question, I like we hear about the work Braden Point has put in on his mm-hmm. skating Mm -hmm. things like that you know this is what Kyler Yamo. if he wants to be a top six winger in the nhl he's going to have to put in this work in the offseason this offseason is crucial for him he's got to get stronger he's got to get Mm -hmm. a little bit bigger and faster on his skates he's got to get a better shot he's Mm -hmm. he's just got to do these things or he will not be a top six winger in the nhl it looks Mm -hmm. like so nonetheless overall i'm going to say this draft which they also took Stuart skinner who had a major step up in his play this year like his his save percentage, he went from an iffy, very iffy starting goalie in the AHL mm-hmm. the previous season to a good starting goalie in the AHL mm-hmm. this year, like someone that the team could count off. The, even the most exciting pick possibly in this draft was Dmitry Samarukov, taken yeah. uh, third overall. And um, until he had, a, I think, a separated shoulder that ended his season, some kind of shoulder injury, uh, of course, that ended his season in, with uh, Seska in Moscow, he, Bruce, man, he looked good. We both watched him play this mm-hmm. year. He played such a, he, you know, he had been, on his rep had been an, as an erratic hockey player um, who could look great one moment. I think uh, Sean Patrick Ryan is referred to him as the good Dima and bad Dima. Mm-hmm. And this was just based on this aspect of his game where he would look great and then he would look horrible all of a sudden.
2: Mm-hmm. The player yeah.
0: we saw in Moscow this year, mm-hmm. He was a metronome man. He was tick, yeah. tick tick get the puck, move the puck. Get the puck, move the puck. Yeah. Stop the other guy, get it, move it. He just looked. He looked like he could play in the top four in the mm-hmm. NHL one day for a team.
1: Yeah, well, he was among the uh, outscoring leaders in the in the uh, KHL. Uh, as I recall, he was plus twenty four, and he was on for thirty eight. Four and only 14 against and this is playing most of the season playing top four minutes and he uh, 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 and he was playing the right side, left shot defenseman playing the right side but with a strong solid partner, Klaus Dahlbeck, used to be in an manchiller yeah. and they were a real good safe pairing and, and uh, Samarukov impressed with the simplicity of his game which, which was kind of unexpected given the you know, his previous track record and, and uh, what we'd seen and heard, especially heard about the guy. <clears throat> I was expecting a lot more erratic than what we saw in uh, a CSKA.
0: So definite up arrows f- for, for uh, f- mm-hmm. you know, three players from that draft. I mean, Kyler Yamamoto, from the moment he was drafted with the question marks around him, I, I would still give him an up arrow. Oh, and I'm going to say Bobby Lallon Bruce Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's listed at 155 pounds. There you go. And he uh, and the other the <laughs> other provides always. He was drafted in the second round, but he oh. was drafted 17th overall.
1: Right. Okay.
0: So he was drafted higher than Yamamoto, mm-hmm. and he's a, essentially the same size. So there's been. He's the only. I don't know if there's other really tiny guys, but he's certainly mm-hmm. one of them who was. Uh, and Bobby Lalonde had kind of a. Well, he played 641 NHL games. Mm-hmm. And he had seasons of 20, 17, 17, 24 goals. So, you know.
1: He was we'll see. a player.
0: He was a player in the NHL. And mm-hmm. we'll see if Kyler, Kyler Yamamoto can be a better player than Bobby Lalonde. But, uh, all right, moving on, Bruce. Let's go to the, the uh, 2018 draft. Mm-hmm. This is the draft of Evan Bouchard, Ryan McLeod, Olivier Rodrigue, and Michael Kesselring. So there's some up arrows there as well. It's interesting because the the other defensemen drafted around Bouchard that year. Uh who are they? A lot of them have made it in the NHL oh, already. Right. And um so I'll just I'll just go down the list. Drafted first overall is Rasmus Dalin, mm-hmm. was actually kind of a disappointment in Pittsburgh this year. There's question marks around him now. Oh, well,
2: mm-hmm.
0: But um other drafted seventh overall, Quinn Hughes, eighth yeah. overall, Adam Bokvist by Chicago. And nope. both Hughes and Boakvist have made it in the top four of their teams, though in Chicago's case, it's not such a massive accomplishment. And then the, the owners had an interesting pick. They could pick Noah Dobson, who's mm-hmm. currently on the power play for the New York Islanders and getting regular minutes there, or they could take Evan Bouchard. So Bouchard, uh, Dobson's already made it question marks, I guess, still around Evan Bouchard, but um, I'd say it's still an up arrow with Evan Bouchard. What would you say?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, to me, um, uh, I mean, Hughes is uh, in a higher category, Um, but uh, Boquist, Bouchard, Dobson, three right-shot guys that went 8, 10, 12. Uh, You could have thrown a blanket over the three of them then, and in my mind, you still could, but We've got uh, Boquist with 76 NHL games now, Dobson with 80, Bouchard with 21. And I don't think it's Bouchard not performing. It's just a matter of not necessarily getting the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Oilers had three good right-shot defenseman ahead of him this year when those other guys were making their big step into becoming NHL regulars. Bouchard got one crack when Ethan Baer was out for uh, 10 games or so. He played all those games, and that's pretty much all he got. And so what we saw was, you know, just glimpses of a very promising player, and I'm pretty confident that he's going to turn into a good player but he, he needs to be given that opportunity to take that next step. they got they got to write him in and pen <sighs> next year. If third pairing, whatever. He's got to be on the ice and playing games. Got
0: they me. cannot, yeah, they cannot block him again. I can see why they did it this year. The Tyson Berry thing came up. It was it's kind of a golden opportunity on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't blame the owners for, for going that route at all and blocking Bouchard this year. Can't happen again. And, uh, and Ryan McLeod is obviously... He, he showed he just had a tremendous breakout year at the AHL level, where he was one of the best players in the AHL, one of the best mm. attackers in the AHL, in a line with Tyler Benson and Cooper Marody. Big guy who can really skate. You know, there's questions around his game. He's going to get. He looks like he's going to get a real opportunity though to make it as the third or fourth line center in Edmonton this coming year, and big, fast, uh, great with the puck. If he can play solid defensive hockey, and again, he doesn't have to be big Bobby Clobber out there. He just has to cover the man well in the defensive slot. And if he can do that, make the right reads down there in the in the D zone, the others have it. looks like they have a player here.
1: Yeah, his scoring sure came along in the AHL. And, you know, he was the plus-minus leader in that entire league this year, even though he missed the last uh, several weeks of the season when he finally got called up. Now, in Edmonton, he came in and he played 10 games in all the playoff games. He didn't score, like, I think, at one point. And it was a puck that went off his skate to another order that they put in. So there was really nothing that um, uh, showed up in his scoring. But, I mean, we have to remember this is a guy that in his first year in the HL he only scored five goals. And in the second year, he was good. yeah and So it may he may be one of those guys that just, you know, give him a little bit of time before you judge him. Entirely, but some of the things that we see that we can judge are the speed and the size and the skill. And I wish he had a tad more aggressiveness, uh, you know, a little more grit to his game, frankly. Uh, uh, and maybe that's something that will come. Sometimes these these young guys learn, you know, you just got to do that. You just got to get your nose dirty and eventually they got comfortable with it. But we don't know if that's... Uh, In his future or not, sure would be uh, sure would be something that you know, even if it doesn't become sort of a plus thing, he has to turn it into at least a sort of neutral thing.
0: Yeah, there was too many times I just have this when you when you mention that lack of grit in his game, suddenly this image of him charging in there on the four check and not finishing his check, uh, just came to mind and I had a really down feeling about the player all of a sudden. Because how many times did we see that in the playoffs? We saw it at, there's just a number of times where it's almost mystifying that he didn't finish his check. Well, you know, nice. a, a young a young guy who's going to be the checking center on the Oilers next year. Now, again, you don't have to be the guy who drills other players through the boards to be a good right. checking center in the NHL. The most important thing, like, Gaetan Haas wasn't that guy. But Gaetan Haas engaged physically. And if he had only been a little bit bigger, he'd be coming back next year. Now, if Ryan McLeod can read the game at that at a, at a high enough level to cover, make the right reads in the defensive zone, he can play in the NHL and he doesn't have to become this, you know, huge huge physical player. He's got to do that. Uh, but it would help him if he did did play a bit more physical game. I um, I agree with you, Bruce. The other the other player with an up arrow, I'm gonna say, is Michael Kesselring,
2: mm-hmm. who
0: is a great big defenseman, six four, two twenty. And um went to U.S. college hockey and had a couple good years and came, as things went along in Bakersfield, there was an injury, Lenstrom got hurt and he got a chance in the couple of final two playoff games and he played well. So a big guy who can skate and make plays, he's another player who's got perhaps a pro future, a right shot defenseman to boot. So out of this draft, there's some, there's, uh, some real potential as well. 2019 draft, Bruce, Philip Broberry, Raphael Lavoie, Ilya Konovalov, and Matej Blumel. All players, again, who are, um, you know, it's it's really early in all of their careers. And there's controversy around the Broberry pick because other people, you know, Cole Caulfield was, you know, people hoped the Oilers would take Cole Caulfield or Trevor Zegres, who have both made the NHL already and, and Caulfield's doing well in the playoffs now for Montreal. So there's some controversy around this draft, but Mm -hmm. there's also some really good signs from this draft as well.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, there's, um, uh, um, I mean, Broberry is, uh, you know, he's a a gamble on future development. I mean, the raw skills were there from the beginning. He's another player that played in that Linka Gretzky uh, tournament here in 2018, and he grabbed everybody's eye right away with his with his combination of size and speed. Like he could just pick up the puck in his own zone and just ramble up the ice with it and, you know, hit the blue line with speed and create some chaos. Like he he wasn't like an obvious finisher, but he sure was a a guy that, you know, could push the play in the right direction and push it that way hard. And lots of, you know, very raw, lots of rough edges, but very promising and obviously uh Ken Holland and and uh the scouting staff uh saw the promise in that player and uh how oh, they Soda the is another question but they they got uh, they got that player and they uh, you know obviously they prioritized him at number 8 overall which was a little higher than he was on, in many rankings and as you say with Zegres and Caulfield still on the board that's one that those are two players that people are going to be looking at and seeing all Of course, they're forwards. It's not an easy comparison, but it will be an easy comparison if Broberry doesn't make the NHL, because it's clear that both Seagrass and Caulfield are going to be top six forwards for quite a few years to come.
0: So he had a weird year, Philip Broberry, in Sweden. He, You know, I'd say for the first half, Till he got hurt at the World Junior tournament, mm-hmm. I really liked what I saw in this player. He just there were he was up and down. He was inconsistent, yeah. but when he was yeah. up, was he yeah. ever up? He is a great big defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's listed at Hockey DB six three two zero three. I wouldn't be surprised if he's an inch taller and ten pounds or twenty pounds heavier than that. Uh, at least by the time he right. gets to the NHL, he's big, mm-hmm. and can he ever wheel? Like he mm-hmm. there, yep. you know that he reminded me like that combination of like just in terms of tools not in terms of yeah. performance right like Serge Savard this great big guy who can wheel around the ice and is good with the puck mm-hmm. now he's a long way from the performance of Serge Savard mm-hmm. a long way but the, that's the tools that's what we're talking that's what there's that's what the scouts are seeing and the performance was starting to come too you know, when the confidence was high and he was wheeling with the puck in games, like he would either go from being shy with the puck and not making Mm -hmm. plays to actually having a lot of confidence with, and it seemed to, to waver in games. Now in the second half of the season, I didn't see him as much. And he started to make, when I did, he was making a lot of defensive mistakes. And that was the word out of Sweden. He was making, he he was making, he was not taking the man consistently, giving too much gap, turning over the puck. And by the end, he wasn't playing a lot either. So he didn't finish with a lot of confidence, but so I'm not, I just, it's hard to know, but I'm not down on this pick. I, I think there's, you know, on the small ice mm-hmm. in North America, someone that big and that fast, if they can right. get him thinking the game, making the right calls. Like I think he's going to be in the HL this, this coming season. He should no, be agree. in the mm-hmm. HL, but have mm-hmm. him work with Manson down there. Mm-hmm. Um Dave Manson who's I think an excellent coach from, mm-hmm. from the results we're seeing get him working with Dave Matson and we'll see how this player turns out. I'm, you know, I people wow. who are down on this player, give I'm just going to say I just would suggest you have some patience here because right. the, the toolkit is is immense and it's outstanding, even if the performance doesn't yet match that.
1: yeah well, the the red flag for him is that at the beginning of his second year uh in the uh top Swedish league he started on the top pairing, and he was getting like 20 minutes a night. And by the end of the season and the playoffs, he was the seventh defenseman on the same team. So Correct. His, his ice time just crashed. Yeah. And uh, his, I mean, the injuries probably had something to do with it, although they claimed he was, you know, healthy enough to be playing a couple of weeks after the World Junior. But he did never seem to recover the form that he had in the early season. And this is a you know a, a top ten draft choice in his draft plus two year uh, season. Uh, Moritz Sider, the German fellow that Detroit drafted six overall in the same draft, he won the SHL defenseman of the Le- of the year. That's yeah. hard to do for a non-Swede. <laughs> a Swedish defensemen typically win that award, I would imagine. Well, the great Swedish defenseman we have, well, Moritz Sider, you know. Like he clearly is, you know, trending very well indeed. Yes. the trending is is a little alarming, and certainly at best you can say muddled. He's not sort of clearly trending up.
0: That is a fair comment, Bruce. That is a fair comment. Did they trade for a defenseman? You know, uh, yeah.
1: Like they brought someone in. Yeah, it wasn't Oscar the same Nielsen group. Here.
0: Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Fair comment. It, this this may turn out to be a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh this pick, there's just there's no other way to put it. But let's I'm going to say let's be patient and let's yeah. get him over to North America let's see how he does. Uh plenty to like. Raphael Lavois, mm-hmm. great year in the second division in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh on a very bad team, he was the best player. Mm-hmm. Rough, tough. Gets the puck go to the net. I just love that about him actually in those games. What I, what I saw in that aspect, he went to the HL for the final bit of the year and kind of had up and down results. He, yeah. um, point every second game. So, uh, well, another
1: he, great, big he guy. would have a point a game for five games and then nothing for five games as opposed <laughs> yeah, to it's it he, he was, yeah, plateau high, plateau low. It seemed to be his trend. So,
0: so. I'm going to give him an up arrow since the draft, mm-hmm. though, because I, what I saw in, in Sweden in the in that second division was 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 a player who loved to take the puck hard to the opposition net and had a, has a really good shot and a mean streak. So these are all highly NHL translatable skills. Mm-hmm. And the Oilers could use a sniper and a shooter on the wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could be the guy. He's going to be in the NHL next year as well. Yeah. Ilya right. Konovalov, um he kind of he had he's a Russian goalie, a smaller goalie, but uh, and he didn't have as good a year as the season he had before in the in the KHL. But he's now signed a AHL contract. Um and, an NHL uh,
1: contract with, with an yeah, AHL component. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so his save percentage this past year, Bruce, was nine twenty three. It's pretty good. The, the KHL has really high Ridiculous. safe percentages yeah. so this is probably about average in the in the KHL. um it was actually an improvement over his 2019 20 season when he was at 912 safe percentage but he looks like a solid solid pick at that at that level in the draft third round pick 85th overall if you can get an NHL goalie out of that that's pretty good and the next pick is he, actually he
1: was a 20 uh, year old when they drafted him but he was a 20 year old who just uh had an exceptional year in the khl i believe 9 30 yeah he won a bunch of rookie awards and uh, uh and then he he wound up this year he somehow got beaten out by eddie pasquale a former uh, bakersfield condors goalie who got hot and won the number one job and i think Conavallo was out of favor because he wasn't going to sign another contract there and so they just kind of buried him but uh, he's he's promising uh Young Goldie, they always have a few of them, and the the challenge will be to find uh, playing time for them all.
0: I wonder if that didn't happen to Broberry at the end of the year, where like where his play dropped off, but also he's not coming back, and they know it, right? Yeah. And they they have other players that are. So at some point, you just think, unless you're really killing it, like Moritz Cedar, like he he wasn't yeah. going to get benched, obviously, but Broberry right. wasn't in that category. But mm-hmm. maybe he was, maybe he got a little less playing time also mm-hmm. because okay, well you you're, you're going to be moving on here, so we're going to be moving on r- right now. I don't know if that happened. I'm just speculating, but it's a possibility. The orders, uh, I think, what did did Matej Blumel get? He was the um, uh, fourth round, 100th overall pick. Mm -hmm. So, again, this is, we're getting in the category of players who are not at all likely to be NHL regulars when they're drafted. This is a really iffy part of the draft. You know, what is it, maybe Mm -hmm. one in 20 guys at this stage in the draft become Mm -hmm. NHL regulars, one in 30?
1: It's not high.
0: Yeah, one in twenty, I think.
1: I, I'd say one in ten, but it, it's not high. But it's
0: yeah. Uh, it's no so, good. but anyway, I, mean, I guess
1: it depends how you define NHL regular, player. Yeah,
0: yeah, like top six winger, it's definitely oh, yeah. yeah.
1: it's Wouldn't definitely one and,
0: one in fifty probably. Anyway, he had a great year, really, really good year mm-hmm. in the Czech league. Mm-hmm. He is a Czech hockey player, and seventeen goals in forty nine. Games uh from the highlight clips that I saw of him, he just has—he's a, a—he's a one-shot shooter again. He's a sniper. So they have drafted three guys in the last two drafts: Blumel, Lavois and Carter Savoy, who are one-shot scorers. That's their primary skill. <clears throat> and is that ever a good idea, Bruce, to draft that kind of player if you're the Edmonton Oilers right now? Because mm-hmm. that's what you're missing. Now you can say, well, Cole Caulfield's that guy. Yeah, he was. So that hurts. That hurts a mm-hmm. little. Bit. Starting to hurt. But um, they've got three guys, and Maximov, Kirill Maximov, who we didn't mention, is also in that category of a one-shot shooter. Right. He never really showed that at the HL when he was there. That uh, in, in his one full season there, they've got some promising guys here, and he's Blue Mel's one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. So is Maxim Denishevkin, the last pick of that uh, 2019 draft. Saw some good video of him uh, uh, from Russia. Still a kid, of course. I mean, we're talking about 2019. So, you know, you're talking about a guy who's uh, looking up his birthday. Yeah, he turned 20 during the season. Just 5'10", 165 pounds. So that's, uh, 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 that's a strike against him being an NHL player. But uh, it's uh, certainly possible to succeed at that size. But you have to be, you know, exceedingly good uh, to do that. But uh, he sure has some good hockey smarts. And, and uh I had some some, uh, some great passes or, you know, great vision that he showed to my eye that uh, he found if some guy in the open that I wound up with a fairly easy shot. So.
0: so this was Bob Green's last year as the director of player personnel, or like the, the, the guy in charge of the draft. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure of his title, but the guy in charge of the draft. Last year where he's alone the top guy. Ken Holland is already in place there. And in Ken Holland's pocket, for all mm-hmm. we know, is Detroit's draft list, which right. Tyler Wright would have put together. Right. So we don't, like for the top pick with with uh, Broberry, we don't know what influence that the Detroit draft mm-hmm. list had on Edmonton's pick. But So that's something to keep in mind in terms of rating Bob Green. So this last draft, the 2020 draft, we know that both Wright and Green are key players for the Oilers. So, you know, I'm going to get, it could almost be 50, 51-49 in terms of who's responsible for it, maybe, or maybe 60-40 with Wright being the 60. But they have both these guys. And I'm going to say Bob Green. I've liked Bob Green's drafts.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
0: there's there's really interesting players every year. And every mm-hmm. year there's guys that look like they can make it still. So I, I, overall, other than that Griffin Reinhardt thing that you brought up, which is kind of a major gaping wound in his record, um, I like what Bob Green has done. And this last draft, the 2020 draft, and it's it's funny like drafts always look best maybe the the moment of the mm-hmm. draft and then they start looking you know but this the mm-hmm. 2020 draft looks better I'm gonna say significantly better right now than the moment it happened right the Dylan Dylan Holloway was the first first pick 14th overall he just had a fantastic season in American college hockey and he is he's a big fast and aggressive center with some skill. Bruce, it, it looks like they may have hit a home run with that pick. Maybe a grand slam home run. But it's not just Dylan Holloway in that draft. Right. There's other picks. There's Carter Savoy taking 100th overall. He was one of the top scoring. He was a top scoring forward on his team, I think, at Denver. Mm-hmm. Let me just confirm that. And he was a absolute sniping gem at the NCAA level this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Tulio, 126 overall. He went over to play in Slovakia because there was no OHL. That's how, you know, he had the right. pulled the strings there and he he played well in this Slovakian top pro league. Maxim Berezhkin, um fifth, fifth fifth round, 138th overall. He had a good year playing in Huge the second Huge
1: guy.
0: Huge guy. I think did he make their World Junior team?
1: I think he did. Uh, I don't did think he? so, but he played in he played some games in the KHL. Yeah. And you know, and again, he he, uh, he and Dineshkin, who's you know, rhymes, Dineshkin, Dineshkin. They played uh, on the same line, in is it the VHL? It's uh, one of the developmental leagues there. Yeah. And, and
0: the last pick, Jeremiah Lindewald, Bruce has just mm-hmm. been named as one of the candidates for the Swedish World Junior Team this coming year. He was so he was taken two hundredth overall. Wow. And uh, so that's not bad that you get on the 200th pick, you get a player who looks like they might make the Swedish World Junior team.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you
0: think of this draft?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, way too early to judge, but yeah. there's up right. arrows. I mean, Ho- Holloway and Savoy both definitely had up arrows. Both of them were big-time scorers in the AJHL. And Holloway had kind of a not highly productive uh, freshman season. And NC2A, and that's when he got drafted, was after that. And then this year, he just ripped it up. His, his He went from 0.5 to 1.5 points per game uh, in NC2A. And Savoy scored 53 goals in the AJHL last year. I think he was the highest scoring player in that league for a couple of decades. Uh, and he w- went right into college and he started scoring right off the bat. I think he tailed off a little bit, but he still had, you know, very good... Uh, totals for uh for the season for a freshman and uh he's a he's a real sniper first shot scorer as you say gets and gets in the good spots and uh and uh not shy about letting letting a rip when uh when he has a, a opportunity to do so
0: he's got all kinds of skill Mm-hmm. And uh, t- he had a just a great year. He was the top goal scorer on his team. Uh, just a few points back of to the top uh, point getter on his team. Mm-hmm. He, he he's going to play one more year, obviously, of college hockey. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes pro after that.
2: Right.
0: He could even go pro this coming year. You never know. But I, I think it would probably be advisable for him to to play uh, to play one more year. So Bruce, I overall, I'm going to say Bob Green. Has a pretty good record mm-hmm. so far, drafting. And Tyler Wright has more of a checkered record. Together, mm-hmm. maybe they can get it right. I guess the the what you'd like to see in a scouting department, an amateur, is, is fresh people coming in. Mm-hmm. Because you do often see that burst when someone comes on. Um, typically, you see it. So um, even though Bob Green's done well, maybe he's done doing well. That's not unheard of with right. even the best ama- amateur mm-hmm. scouts. So that's the one thing I would think is that you know they're both been around this doing this a long time. They, scouts don't tend to get better right. with more experience. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe move them to the pro ranks. Maybe maybe boost the pro. Um, have right. them do the AHL. Have them do mm-hmm. pro scouting now. Both of those guys focus on that, or at least in bring in someone new to help out. At the amateur level, that's that would might be a move that the orders would consider.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, what what would be proof in the pudding for me is to see somebody uh, from a little lower down in the draft really hit it out of the park and and move up the charts quickly without having, you know, the the orders have had. Uh, I mean Ryan McLeod. I mean second high second round pick. He's got a chance to be that guy where he's arriving ahead of schedule. You know, uh, as a uh, uh, in his in his second pro year, so he still has one full year on his ELC. If he plays that whole year in Edmonton, then uh, he's ahead of schedule. But I look at these draft lists and I see the guy, the first draft choice has a bunch of games played and all the guys below him are like single digits or nothing at all, year after year. And it's I've been beaten on this drum for a long time that the Oilers don't have enough success in the Saturday portion of the NHL draft to bring up, you know, certain, not, not even necessarily stars, but uh, our support players, role players uh, who are, you know, Oilers, because they've come up through the system, it's the team they know, it's the team they love, you know, and you look at the good teams uh, in the playoffs, and you find those kind of guys, I, I mean, I named those three Islanders defensemen, I could probably name you about eight guys from the Tampa Bay Lightning like that, that are, you know, playing key roles on the team now that, uh, uh you know, were lower draft picks, and, and almost any successful team you can look at. You can say, well, look at that, you know, third-line center and that fourth-line winger and that second defenseman, second-pairing defenseman that nobody thought much of, but here he is in the NHL killing it, you know. There's, I mean, Ethan Baer, he might be one of those players. He's promising in that regard. And otherwise, I mean, Jujar Kara has been the one and only for years, you know, that... uh, you know, he's up to 250 NHL games now, and I would say even at this point, nine years on from his draft, you can't really say he's killing it, but you can say at least they got an NHL player, a role player out of it that's, uh, you know, a worthwhile player, but they haven't had near enough of that kind of success in, in the uh, uh, Saturday portion of the draft.
0: Yeah, so let's we've talked about those twelve key players on every NHL team. Mm-hmm. You know, the only pl- the the players that for this coming season mm-hmm. who might step into that twelve into the twelve. Mm-hmm. So Evan Bouchard, really good chance, but he's a top pick. You, you'd expect right. that, right? Pulley mm-hmm. RV, same thing. Yamamoto, same thing. So it's mm-hmm. not
1: first round. But you know,
0: the Oilers mm-hmm. do need is they need McLeod to be the third mm-hmm. line center to step up or Dmitry Samarukov to be the, the second pairing lefty. You know, and if he had played a full year in Moscow, didn't get hurt. And we saw right. what like if that was more fresh in our heads than if we had seen that all year, mm-hmm. that would make that is not a stretch. This is a very good hockey player and he's big and he's mm-hmm. got pro experience now. Two years of any of one in the AHL where he was okay ish maybe. But one in the KHL where he kind of crushed it You know Samarukov isn't It's not crazy talk to think about him As making earning an NHL job next season mm-hmm. um, Certainly as a third pairing demon That would make a lot of sense actually
2: mm-hmm.
0: And should be Should be you know They shouldn't block him necessarily Like with a you know Chris Russell or
1: Well instance, I guess the question is If, if uh, Evan Bouchard winds up on the third pairing Which is very possible as if first year as a full-timer, whether they'd want to put him with another youngster or maybe they would want to put him with a stabilizing influence. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's there's more than one way to play it. But certainly one of the guys on the third pairing needs to be a young up-and-comer. And, I mean, and that's, this year that was Ethan Bear that played a lot of time on the third pairing. And I think he's one guy that will step into the top four next year and has at times in the past.
0: So, like you say, though they also need that they also for a forward to, to mm-hmm. succeed in the NHL. If the yeah. owners are going to make a move in the NHL rather than mm-hmm. stumble, they need that Brendan Gallagher pick. They need that Braden Point pick. They need that that forward pick, mm-hmm. that guy who becomes a first or at least you know first line would be great. Second line would even be good. Mm-hmm. Like sure. someone who who steps up into that role. So there's mm-hmm. a number of candidates. I think there's a number like so. There's Blue Mel. There's there's Savoy, there's Levois, there's Tulio, there's Brezhkin. Mm-hmm. There's all of these players in the last two years who have been taken that high. One of these guys needs to make a move this yeah. coming year and really make That's just crazy. scream, just scream. I'm that guy. I'm him, and I'm gonna. I'm that player. Our, our, we're not seeing someone screaming that, but we're seeing a lot of up arrows for the first time in a long time in terms of a scoring winger mm-hmm. who might might step up so and and Holloway has also he he was a you know a first overall pick so again you're expecting a little bit more but Holloway is really Holloway made that move Bruce like if he had Mm -hmm. been taken later in the draft that we he would be that guy right doesn't matter I'm not going to hold his draft order if he can be that guy who steps up into a top Mm -hmm. six role this year on the Oilers Mm -hmm. it's not a bad bet either um then the Oilers that's a huge thing for the Oilers organization if they can get one or two more of these guys mm-hmm. stepping up in the, these roles, the orders are set. But they need it to happen. They need what one of these they? players to come through, Bruce.
1: Well, and as I just wrote in my post, I mean, if you do the the core 12, the, you know, the rich Winter template of of uh, seven forwards, including the 3C, 4D, and one goalie, uh, and the, the one version, and you could argue who's – who belongs on that list and who doesn't in, in a couple of spots. But my version of the list, eight of the 12 are free agents. So there's, and five of them are unrestricted free agents. Those guys are not coming back. So they're going to need to replace them. And hopefully you don't replace them only by free agent signings, which tend to be overpriced. I mean, you got to find, you got to, you got to uh, get some, some upward mobility from, uh, from some of these draft picks. And, uh, uh, both McLeod and uh, Holloway uh, certainly are promising and have very promising seasons just passed. That m- maybe that's their version of shouting, "I'm the guy. I'm the NHL caliber player, yeah. and I'm on yes. my way." So let's hope. It's, it's high they, time. They
0: they're certainly doing the old what's his name Horshack? You know me, me, mm-hmm. me. You know mm-hmm. remember Welcome Back, Cotter. Uh, they've raised their hand high in the air. And mm-hmm. to get the coaches, to get the organization's attention, and it's not crazy to think that they could move into the the, the, the Big Twelve on the Oilers this coming year. And it would be mm-hmm. if they succeed in those roles that oh, nothing better than that. And if Sam Rukov also did the same. That would be mm-hmm. that would be massive right. um, for the franchise. Now there's so there's Tyler Benson who's got a chance to do that. It's less mm-hmm. likely. And then there's a, these other guys with you know. I, don't, I think that you'd leave Savoy, even though he had this fantastic year scoring. Uh, is there? A, do you want to sign him to a pro contract right now?
1: I don't know. Oh, no. Not until next March at the earliest, after next college season. And there's still time for him to come and get his feet wet in the pros. There's, I mean, ideally, you want to groom him to be an NHL player. And if you were to turn him pro now, there's still zero chance he plays in the NHL next season. I just can't and, see it.
0: And you have a lot of players who are going to be like... Raphael Lavoie is going to be in the HL he's Mm -hmm. going to be in a feature role you don't you don't want Lavoie blocking blocking Savoy you don't want Mm -hmm. you know you hopefully Raphael Lavoie has a big year in the HL next season where he's where he's on the top line and on the top power play and he's producing there and then he makes his move to the NHL the year after so then Carter Savoy takes his place, and maybe he's on his wing as Matej Blumel and, and Tyler Tulio, and they're all one of those guys. And then that guy at the AHL level, and then he advances to the NHL year after that. Doesn't take long for wingers; it shouldn't take long. And I, I don't, I wish Benson had got more of a chance, honestly, this year at the AHL level, so we know more, a little bit more, about whether he can get it done. But um, so overall, Bruce, I just think heading into the draft, this isn't—it's a—it looks like they have an okay team um uh of people making the decisions based on the last few drafts so i'm not this isn't i think there's major question marks around pro scouting there's less this not there's far fewer question marks around the amateur scouting that's what the Oilers have right now
1: yeah it'd be nice if they had more than two picks in the top 150 though 160 i got two picks in the first five rounds
0: well there's that there's that so <laughs>
1: Looks like they're had, the orders have been, they had five picks in 2018, six in 2019, six in 2020. Uh, this year, unless they, there's a change, they have five. And next year, even, they only have six. So unless they start somehow acquiring draft picks by some method, uh, they're going to be short the full complement of seven draft picks five years in a row. So that's kind of counterproductive to to building a prospect system.
0: Yeah, I guess they could try to trade somebody. I don't know who they're going to trade. Uh-huh. Because they're not exactly... Well, not with exactly all these UFAs,
1: they can't trade UFAs for draft picks. There are very rare exceptions where a team wants to negotiate with a guy, but that won't be happening this year with the Seattle draft anyway, I don't think.
0: You know, when you look at all of these players, you know, we've just talked about a pretty long list of guys who are kind mm-hmm. of pretty promising. It It's... It, Holland, in the first couple of years, made a ton of bets on kind of, you know, Gaetan Haas, Joachim Nigard. I don't think, they shouldn't go that route this year. They shouldn't block players with with those. I think they needed to do that with, you know, the year shows of the world and mm-hmm. Grandland and uh Devin Shore, these kinds of players. Don't, that doesn't seem like the best idea anymore. When you have, we haven't mentioned Cooper Marodi, but you have Marodi, you have Benson, you have Raphael Lavoie. Yeah, you've got a number of players: McLeod, Holloway. Let's leave the door open for these guys to step. One of these guys, the best of them, or the best two of those guys, to step Mm -hmm. in and and grab a job this coming season. And Mm -hmm. and,
1: or maybe error error on the side.
0: Same deal. Go ahead, sorry.
1: Error on the side of giving a 22-year-old a shot over a 27-year-old, even if the 27-year-old is this much better right now. Yeah. Rather than bury Tyler Benson, you know, for three years running, you know, give a guy like that, you know, at least a, a sliver of a chance to uh, to um, develop, you know, in, in within the NHL. Uh, like you could argue that all of these layers that Holland has built up of guys that they have to beat out, there's just too many layers for these young guys, and especially with a coach who likes his veterans. And the Oilers have very few guys on their teams these last years that were on entry-level contracts. Well, you, you, <laughs> you want to beat the salary cap. One way to do it is to have to have have a couple of impact guys that are on ELCs. So you know that uh, you know they have an upper limit on what they're getting paid, and, you know what the cap it is. More to the point, and uh, you know it can make big contributions. And uh, the Oilers have had. Uh, a uh, precious few of those, uh, and, and none that weren't sort of drafted in the, very high in the first round.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do on Lefty. What a what a chaotic situation, still not knowing what's happening with Oscar clefbaum right? Because, oh, man. Uh, so they have Darnell Nurse, right? So they mm-hmm. you have Darnell Nurse. Yep. And if you had Kleffbaum, then the you easy bet. thing to do would be to say, and you have Chris Russell, then the easy thing, we're going to leave a spot open for either Broberry or Samarukov. Right. And we're, cause we're so, we got these two horses mm-hmm. as it is now though, that makes it, it's harder to bet on youth in a way mm-hmm. when, when, when you have to, you don't know what's going to happen with cleft bomb nice. and you have Slater Cuckoo sitting there. You got Chris Russell sign, you have nurse and the, the, the huge temptation nice. and you got Lagos sitting there, the huge temptation mm-hmm. will be to bring in another veteran and which will freeze Samarokav out essentially. And you have Caleb Jones, right? You have mm-hmm. all of these yep. players. Yeah. So the temptation is going to bring bring in one more veteran guy, which is going to totally block Sam Marukov's development because mm-hmm. he's not beating out Logason and Jones and Russell. There's just no spot for him. Right. It's only there's only a spot for him if you if you don't bring in one more player. But with with Clef-bomb situation, they almost have to bring him in. So it means Sam Marukov will play another year in the AHL, which isn't you know it'll be his third year as a pro. He's still they do, you, he can get through waivers, slide through waivers, and you'll know a lot more about him at the NHL level after this, one more season in the AHL. So it's not a tragedy. It's just uh, it's he's he's blocked right now. Maybe it's okay. Maybe uh, I, I guess I, I'm not necessarily against that. Wish we knew what was going to happen with Claebom.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's,
0: doesn't everybody?
1: Yeah. My best guess is that the Oilers don't protect him in the expansion draft and that Seattle doesn't pick him in the expansion draft and then we're going to find out. But every reason to think he's going to spend some to a lot of time on LTIR next season because, I mean, he had the surgery relatively late and apparently it's a very complicated recovery. So such terrible luck, I mean, to lose a a player of that caliber to, you know, such an extended period it's not like, you know, he's had Tommy John surgery, and we can say with confidence that started next training camp, he'll be fine. No, he's had this kind of surgery that's uh, got plenty of risk and unknown outcomes.
0: Twice in a row, eh? a you know, they've lost their top lefty. Sekera, boom, out. Kleffbaum, boom, out. And this has had a huge impact on the Oilers. Um, certainly 2017, 18, and 2018, 19, having Kleffbaum playing hurt, and Clark mm-hmm. and Sekura not playing or playing hurt. It was just just really hammered the franchise, mm-hmm. losing that player. Now nurses stepped up. They've got the number one D man. Knock on wood oh. uh, in terms of the injury situation, but they they got to fill in around that. So we'll see what happens. And they've got so obviously there's lots of options now boiling up though. And I like what Ken Holland, I think he indicated that they're they're looking to build from within right now. This is the right strategy when you have all of these talented young players accumulated in the draft that are mm-hmm. up arrows since the draft on Bob Green's watch. Um, let's see how let's let's see how some of them turn out. I've got a good feeling, Bruce, that we're going to get some good news with with, with two or three of them breaking through on the Oilers this coming season.
1: Good, sure hope so. Okay. <laughs> yes, they need it, and they you know, and they need to have some some cheap players who can help. They, they have to upgrade their bottom six, and they have to upgrade it, you know, uh, get, getting mediocre 27-year-olds. Uh, I'm not sure that's uh, that's really the solution, not when, they, you know, they're getting outscored to the degree that they have been in in their bottom six. And it would be nice to, you know, instead of having to, to spend, you know, it would be nice to be able to to bring in a real first-class player at one of the positions that they need help like scoring winger for example yeah it would be nice to have one of those you know I mean they I'm had sure what. Taylor Hall they had Jordan Eberle they had Patrick Maroon they traded them all away and they brought back no scoring wingers yeah you know.
0: I wonder if Zach Hyman you know he's mentioned a lot right now as a possibility for the orders I think it's actually not out of the question the orders could sign mm-hmm. that player Wonder if he could be that player for Connor McDavid, you know, the Kunitz, that the, the yeah. Kunitz kind of winger, two-way winger, smart two-way winger that worked so well with uh, Sidney Crosby for years mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. That would be fantastic if that was to work out. And I, I can't say if if Zach Hyman's that player. I haven't watched him play. Right. The other thing they can do with some of these prospects is they need a third-line center. Like I, I think if you're yeah. counting on Ryan McLeod, I think as four C that's a really good idea. As three C that's not a good idea. Bob Stoffer on the Oilers now has been talking about trading for that. Three C yesterday. He was talking about that. You could use Samarukov. You could use Tyler Benson. You could use one of these players. possibly Probably not Benson. His value is not there. But you could use. I think Samarukov has value if you're paying attention. And you could use that player then to trade for the three C that could help the Oilers. So that's a possibility as well. Or you could use Caleb Jones. Um, or
1: you could sign Alexander windberg a free agent. And I so, don't. You know, I through. can't.
0: I'm not. I I don't like, like, I don't, yeah, you could do that. I can't, personally, I can't, I don't know. I have never, I I have no idea of his game. Like, he he had some good, decent scoring numbers. I think he was 200th about out of 430 NHL forwards. So, pretty good even strength scoring. I don't know if he's the answer at 3C or not. So, I'm not going to, could be, like, could be. But I, I can't vouch for him. But, and he is a free agent, I believe. Yeah,
1: yeah, you don't so, trade anything for the guy. That's the thing. So,
0: yeah, so we'll, there's lots of players though. You know, I, the example I like is Mason Appleton because you know, I've looked at a lot of the mock expansion drafts for Seattle mm-hmm. and they have Mason Appleton going to Seattle. Well, if Winnipeg needs a defenseman or two, why don't you package up, why don't you trade Dimitri Samarukov and Caleb Jones? For Mason Appleton,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: would Winnipeg go for that? Uh, Maybe, and I don't see why not if they're going to lose them. And then um, either they, you know, one of those guys will. Well, Samarukov's not even eligible for the expansion draft, so the the Winnipeg then gets what they need, and the owners get what they need. So Uh, I I hope the owners make one or two deals like that, where they're 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 filling in these holes at forward. With uh, defensemen.
1: Moving you need on. to find a lopsided team that's got eight or nine forwards they'd like to protect and only a couple of defensemen. And they're I'm there. Not sure that's not the Jets. Yeah, there's you
0: know, teams their, their like that. Their is, defense is not that yeah. deep
1: anymore. And, you know, they'll be protecting, you know, Morrissey, for example, will be protected. But if you look down that list, you know, and uh, four boards of free agent and, and, uh, Uh, Pionk you know I mean they got obviously those two but maybe the the third one they say well we can maybe upgrade by going out and getting a young player but we got too many forwards so we need to trade a forward for a D-man and Edmonton's saying we need to trade a D-man for a forward you know they got to find a fit like that somewhere before that expansion draft and maybe that's one way to fill a hole
0: or two yeah if they can fill one hole like with a player like Mason Appleton, who I quite liked during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I did watch oh, him.
1: Yeah, he's a good player.
0: And uh, you know, he's on all these lists. So find the best. Go look at all, you know, just try to figure it out. Like you can go through all the teams yourself and make your own list of who Seattle's right. gonna take. You can try to figure that out. But a lot of people are creating these lists. So there's gonna be five or six forwards that are on all these lists. Target mm-hmm. one of those guys. Like right. there's there are five or six really good forwards right now mm-hmm. and, and look at the look at that's what the order strategy okay. should be. I, I, I'm assuming it is. That, that's. I don't. You know, Ken Holland is not. He's not a no. dummy. No. That's their strategy. Yeah. If we could, if you and I can think of this, right. they're thinking of this.
1: I you just need those pesky pro scouts to pick the right guy, right?
0: <laughs> indeed, Bruce. Indeed. They got to get it right.
1: Yeah. They do. So. Yeah. Got to.
0: Well. I think uh, we've covered this fairly comprehensively.
1: Indeed, only two words that didn't make that podcast: Philip Kemp, who's a late round pick in that uh, uh, 2017 draft, where they 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 got quite a few sort of nice prospects in the lower round, Some of whom are developing better than others, but uh, they they do have um, uh, they do have bodies in the system, I guess, and and uh, it's just a matter of. One of them's got to turn out. So, um.
0: yeah. The only, the only, my only, my last cautionary tale on this whole thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: whenever you're talking about draft picks, it's hard to know. And I just remember after the 2010 draft. So, the 2010 draft, they take Taylor Hall first, then they take Tyler Pitlick, Martin Morrinson, Curtis Hamilton, Ryan Martindale, Jeremy Blaine, Tyler Buns, Brandon Davidson. And there was tremendous, and, and I shared it, there was tremendous excitement in Edmonton about the possibility of that draft and what it would mean for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. And they had three second-round picks. They used it on Pitlick, Marincin, and and, uh, and Hamilton. And the fact is that in terms of filling one of those, you know, those big 12 roles on an NHL team,
2: mm-hmm.
0: only one guy, Tater Hall, first overall, right. did it. right. None of the other ones. Mitt Marinson just signed him a- for Tyler Pitlick has bounced around and he's kind of bounced around as a bottom line player.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so there can be like as much as I'm excited about the last few right. drafts, I completely understand that 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 early excitement, even if there's up arrows, and there was up arrows mm-hmm. with that draft as well for a lot of those players, it doesn't mean squat until they make it.
1: Lots of bigger guys, older, um, you know, late birthday type guys in 2010. And for all the uh, Oilers had this uh, Western Canadian network uh, scouring in the province of BC in particular, somehow in 2010 they missed Brendan Gallagher, who went to uh, Montreal 147th overall. And you just kind of wonder, after having a great season with Vancouver Giants, and you kind of wonder, how the heck did they miss that guy? But is it because he was five foot nine, or is it you know? I mean, there was no way to miss the guy when he played. I saw him play as a junior, and he, he, you know he just stood out always. Like he's he's always stood out. But that was one that uh, uh, that was one that's one where I think Everton scouts based the way they were. That was a miss. That was oh, a God. good player that they yes. they could have. And almost I mean, there's obviously there's thirty teams. You can't say. Well, they they should have had him, but geez, we went to number 147. They missed him. Well,
0: they needed to draft. That's a top.
1: That's that's a core 12 player. Yeah, they need to draft Ryan Martindale and Jeremy Blaine.
0: I like that core 12. That's a good way Mm -hmm. to describe it. The core 12 Mm -hmm. on a team. Mm -hmm. You gotta and you gotta get one core 12 player every year in the draft. The the Oilers got one, Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. First yeah. overall, Brandon Davidson has been okay. Like that's a good late round pick. Like he's been a mm-hmm. journeyman NHLer, but geez,
1: yeah. uh, How clear that's... wins. You need wins. I mean, sort of, well, we have got two or three guys that were on the cusp of the league. You need some, you know, someone that just surprises and outperforms and comes yeah. from somewhere in the depths of the draft to become a you know a difference maker in the NHL. It's a, it's a long list of Oilers that you can go through that weren't first round picks that just really wanna, haven't done that
0: I just want to let's just look, just the last thing I'm going to do here is look for a core 12 player taken outside the first round, so uh, on the Oilers so the, the only ones that have a chance mm-hmm. the only ones, let's not talk about the recent drafts because it's too early right. to tell so 2015th, Baron, Baron Marino Marino ha- has yep. a chance to stick, so a core 12 player for five years Right. let's say, is, is a hit. He's got a chance to do that, and so does Ethan Bear.
1: Sure does. Um, yeah.
0: So before then, Bruce, we're looking. So Eric Gustafson in the 2012 draft, core 12.
1: 250 no. games in the NHL, but he's a third-pairing guy in the NHL. Yeah. Specialist.
0: So outside of the first round, we got to go way back to, yeah. and I'm still going back, Riley Nash does not qualify as core 12. Nope.
1: Uh, keep going. We're
0: keep going. Jeff we're going. Where, I'm on 2000 Jeff, and
1: th- Jeff Petrie's uh, second round pick in 2006.
0: There we go. It's been 14 years, 15. Bruce. <laughs> now you could say Marino and Bear. So mm. uh, 15 years mm-hmm. <sighs> since since you can say with certainty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Oilers drafted a core twelve, core twelve player.
1: Yeah, Jeff Petrie is definitely round. a core twelve player. He certainly and became that, one after he left Edmonton, if he wasn't already.
0: He was definitely already, and before Jeff Petrie,
1: yeah, keep going. Maybe
0: Kyle Brodziak was he yeah. a third line? Nah, yeah. I don't
1: maybe he far. was a three C, but okay, yeah. G-
0: the, okay, the, you got to go back to the 2012 draft where you hit Jarrett Stoll. He's taken in the second oh, round, 36 you. overall. He was definitely a core twelve player for more than five years. The orders have just sucked at drafting;
2: mm-hmm. they just
0: were terrible,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and that's why the orders went through the decade of darkness. And the only way they'll get out of this decade, uh, uh, the only way they're going to turn this franchise around, is for these guys oh. to get it right. And and it looks like maybe in the last five mm-hmm. years, they're going to get some core twelve player core twelve players out of that, but. To be, and
1: to be as able. we've discussed and as you've written about, I mean, the, the difference between the Pro Scouts and the Amateur Scouts is that you get uh, kind of instant feedback on the guys that Pro Scouts bring in. You know, we knew a lot about Kyle Turris within about two weeks of the season starting, whereas you have to wait three, four, five, seven years for these draft picks to really sometimes show, you know, what they got. I mean, Oilers drafted we're the seven years ago, and we still don't know what we got, right? Ugh.
0: We still don't know. No. We we can probably say with starting to get a sense he's not going to be core twelve, right? Um, I think that's fair to say. I mean, it's still pa. there's an outside chance, like, but probably was when he got that chance this year. Probably was going to seize that job, right? And we didn't see that kind of seizure. All right. Thanks for talking today, Bruce.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.